Greetings, troopers. You are to be placed here on deep space listening detail until further notice. You are to watch for any extraterrestrial activity in the slightest. No unauthorized transmissions, and if you are caught goofing off, you will be reprimanded. Do I make myself clear? Sir, yes, sir. Very good. Carry on, then. Is he off the channel? Yeah. Cue the music. listening detail the only show out in deep space where we talk about what's going on down there because nothing's going on up here i'm karen and i'm nolan and my gosh it's been a long long time since we've been it's been a long time coming i forget how that song goes i wasn't as into it as you guys were it has been a while over a month and some change i think since the last episode i don't even know if the other one went up no there, there was one that we recorded but it was so painfully boring and just like we were so checked out. I don't remember. I don't even remember. That's how bad of an episode it was. It was just we had no energy, we were, no pep. It was just. Are you sure you just didn't want to edit it? No, it was <laughs> so boring. It was so horrendous. I usually like editing the episodes because there's like, oh, that's funny and that's cool part and I love that part. The good, the bad, and the ugly Goldar. Bye. Thank you. <laughs> that is our uh, space maid service. <laughs> Don't ask how we get maids in space. We have to pay a lot of money. That's where all the that's where all the Patreon funds go that we don't have because we don't have a Patreon <laughs> or ad revenue like YouTube. <laughs> yeah, we we do this off the uh, the skin or what is it the sweat off our brows. I don't think that's even how you use that phrase. Skin off our teeth. I grit though. We, we I grit we're all wrong. <laughs> we're we're so wrong. We're wrong. We're so but, wrong. We might go to world war with North Korea. That's how wrong we are. Oh, just don't don't bring politics. We're we're here to talk about some <laughs> fun stuff because we just dropped a giant like the granddaddy of all bombs. Well, you on saw Power Earth. Earthers. I did. Yeah, and that was fun. How was it? It was fun. Was it better than Ghost in the Shell? <laughs> yes, it was. God, Nolan dragged me to Ghost in the Shell. I was trying to convince him like let's go to Power. And he's like, no, I want to see Ghost in the Shell, and. Sure enough, it was the most boring movie I've ever seen in the last, like, five years. It looked visually nice, but then... Just... I got bored after ten minutes. I fell asleep through, like, 20 minutes of the movie. I haven't fallen asleep in a movie since... Oh, God, ever. Maybe did you fall asleep in Branded? No. That was just bizarre enough to keep my attention, like, <laughs> the, the whole way through. Cow. The sacred cow. and the... It was a bizarre movie. Using, using advertising to fight each other. That was amazing. That last bit where all the mascots of giant corporations were fighting each other in that city. That was cool. That kept my attention. But Ghost in the Shell is as lifeless of a shell as Scarlett Johansson was in that it's movie. the original movie. Which, to ScarJo's defense, it wasn't her fault. It's just, they didn't go 
at all into the interesting stuff with this movie yeah. or with the original source material. Yeah, they kind of they made it. They focused more on like the cyborg portion of it instead of like what does it mean to be kind of like human. Well, you could even focus on the cyborg part of it, like they did in the movie, which was they made her in this movie. The problem was they made her special. She was the first of her kind. When in the animated movie, she was just another cyborg that was created. There, there, people already accepted that was going on. Remember, she was based off like a very standard model. Like she sees a bunch of different versions of herself all over the city. Uh-huh. That sort of makes the uh, "Am I really human?" or "Am I, you know, a cyborg?" thing a lot more interesting. If you, it's like if you replace cell with a different cell but if you do that all the way through are you still yourself or something else exactly because i think that one i saw they were alluding it to like japan itself so if you take a person out of japan and replace it with someone else but if you keep doing that and you get to the point where there are no more no more just japanese people is it still japan or is it something else yeah i'm it pretty much boils down to how we feel about the movie. And just other than the fact it was just uninspired, boring, and uh, just very, very bare bones of what Ghosts in the Shell was. Like, they had the, eventually her name, you know, Mathoko Kusanagi, eventually. Um, she looked enough like her. She had the suit, guns. I heard Bato was there. That's pretty much he, it. The, bot, the guy who just Bato was, I thought, was pretty good. He was great, yeah. Especially when he got, like, the eyes. No, the performances in this movie weren't the issue. They just gave them nothing to do. They didn't go with any of the stuff that, like, inspired The Matrix, for example. Because you know Matrix was inspired yeah. by Ghost in the well, Shell. Well, I guess it, essentially they just, when they wanted to make it, they showed, like, here's Ghosts in the Shell. We want to make a live-action movie like this. They I did see they, they did pull a lot of stuff from that original movie, like that spider tank fight. Yeah. It was like a lot of it they pulled straight from the animated movie, even the part where she's like ripping off the top and you see like bones and stuff ripping apart in her body. That's the thing. They took the things that didn't really matter, that didn't make Ghosts in the Shell special. Like that's true. It's a cool scene, you know, her bones coming out and pulling that spider tank lid off. That's cool. But the stuff that I that made me really like Ghost in the Shell was all like the philosophical like questions that came with it. What? I thought you didn't like Ghost in the Shell. I didn't like the series that much. The movie was pretty good. I I'm fine with just that movie, and then the, the series goes on and just sort of drags for me. But people love that series, and you know that's great. I'm sure there are people that don't like Gurren Lagann, but they're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I I stand by what I say about this movie was that. It didn't need to be made. At least not like this. I could see that. Yeah. But you Meanwhile, saw... I saw Power Rangers, which was like, hell yeah, go all the from way, brother. I, from what I've heard, at least from people at like Rooster Teeth, mm-hmm. like Michael, he says like, it was a good movie. He goes, granted, the source material wasn't great to begin with anyways either. Oh, yeah. Because it's like super cheesy. And like, I heard the movie, it's like kind of cheesy. But it's like, that's kind of what it's based off of. Yeah, that, that's what I loved about it. They, like, for example, Rita the Repulsa. The looks serious, but, like, the movie itself wasn't too serious. All the things I thought I would hate about this movie, I actually liked about this movie. Like how the Megazord looked. Yeah. I actually just went with it. Because everything, like, the look of the costumes, the look of Zordon Alpha, the Megazord, just 
the Zords themselves when they're like detached in their dinosaur forms. All that I thought I was going to really dislike it and it was going to really bother me, but it didn't because right from the get-go, you feel like, okay, this isn't that Power Rangers. So you kind of get over it really quick that it's not just a regurgitation of what so it's kind you of like how every Power Rangers is different. It's like that. Yeah, and the thing that I liked about this movie a lot was that you don't spend a lot of time in the suits at all, actually. A lot of the time is then just outside of the suits and you sort of get to know each ranger. And you they really made actual interesting characters out of an action movie that's like very Michael Bay-esque in terms of sophistication and script and explosions everywhere. Krispy Kreme ads, <laughs> which were very... You know, well placed in the movie, I admit, but they, I mean, Krispy Kreme better be paying them a lot of money for literally integrating them into the plot of the movie. Mm. <laughs> uh, all the Rangers are really cool. My favorite, gosh, it's that's actually kind of tough. Do they even have like their like original kind of weapons? So, like the bow um, and stuff? Kind of. Kind of. Like, I, I saw the Red Ranger had his sword. But all the other rangers didn't really showcase their weapons all that much. I I, I don't remember. Because all I remember is the Red Ranger pulling out his sword. Because it's sort of like attached, kind of like a Covenant Elite Energy sword. Uh-huh. It, it's like that a little bit. But they have them, I'm pretty sure. And you said there's a part where they just pull on play the theme song from the original show. Yeah. They, they just, when they get in the Zords, they just play the Mighty Go-Go Power Rangers right there. And they're running across the desert. Everything back to is it, is, it like, is it like remastered version of the song, or is it like the original, like like cheesy sounding? It's one? oh, it, it sounds a lot like the original, but I think it's remastered. So go go, power. yeah. They, they say go go Power Rangers during it. Really? Wow. Yeah. I mean, it, it taps right into that nostalgia factor pretty well, at just the right times too. I thought it was interesting. I liked all the changes to the characters too. I would listen to. Um, how I Built This, which is about like entrepreneurs or like people who make companies and they talked to the guy who, uh, Sentai, that mm-hmm. guy, yeah. the guy who had like brought it to the US because he, he didn't, his whole thing is he didn't really, he doesn't really create the shows and stuff. He, his whole thing was Really, he made a lot, a lot of his money somewhere else, and he wanted to do something because he's like a Pakistani, mm-hmm. he's like a Israeli. I think he's Israeli, and he like comes to the U.S. or like and he, he went to Japan and he's like, he saw this show on TV. He's like, I could bring this to the U.S. I could bring this to other markets because all the action scenes are already done. You just have to do the outside portion when they're not in the suits. And then from there, like, Sentai explodes out of that because Power Rangers became, like, one of the biggest franchises ever. I don't even know how many iterations of that show there are. To the are. point where I think he, they bring, they have, like, the distribution rights to other stuff now. Like, Sentai works. I think they do a lot of anime and a bunch of other stuff, too. Yeah, I'm pretty... Or, sorry, sorry, Sentai? Not, sorry not Sentai, Saban. Oh, Saban. Yeah, Saban, that's it. I'm thinking I got Saban and Sentai works confused. People are probably screaming like, it's Saban! Yeah. But yeah, see, he, but yeah, he, he brought that to the U.S. 
as the uh, like distribution of it. They really did a good job with, other than the characters, because you know it's going to have to do with some millennial stuff too. Like Each character has a backstory, and one of them is like uh, Kimberly's, for example. The, I'd say the weakest of the movie was that she feels like she's a bad person because she, uh, I guess, shared some picture of a classmate that, I guess it was like a naked picture or something like that, and shared it with everyone and got everyone embarrassed. And she feels like, and she was a bully, Kimberly, in this. So, uh, like like they're all kind of misfits, yeah, (laughs) in this. And um, it got to the point where it was just before getting annoying because sometimes they really go too far with it in these kinds of movies where they're like, oh my gosh, guys, self-aids and Snapchat. And just they go full into that millennial bullshit kind of stuff but they stop just at the right time and uh my favorite ranger now that i think about it it has to be billy the blue ranger yeah because they change his character completely from you know he goes from white to black but also he's autistic he's an autistic power ranger and uh he's he just meshes with the group really well and when you when what happens to him happens in the movie, you actually feel pretty bad. You know, like I, I wasn't like crying or anything, but you feel something for him. And I'm like, that's good. And Black Ranger has a cool backstory too. He uh, is taking care of his terminally ill mom in a trailer park. And he just sort of like, go, and he tells them like, I go outside every night, like, and just don't go home because I'm worried when I get back, I'll find her dead. Wow. I'm, like, I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> go, go, Power Rangers! <laughs> Dead Mom Edition. Go, go, Power Rangers. Jeez. No. <laughs> yeah, there, there's a lot of cool little gems that they tucked into this movie, and I was expecting nothing but a complete shit show. So. You have the post credit scene. Yes. Which is very clever, because I know what they're going to do. They're going to get... And spoilers for anybody who hasn't seen this. And if you haven't seen it by now, you probably don't care. That was my phone. Excuse me. I get great reception in space. <laughs> they tease the Green Ranger. I mean, that's, of course, the next step you're going to go. From the five rangers, you got to go Green Ranger. And uh, they haven't shown what he, who he is yet or who they cast. They just have a detention room and hear the person in detention going, Tommy Oliver. Tommy Oliver, are you here? Tommy Oliver. And uh, you just see his jacket in the on the chair. Is it a and good it goes, jacket? Yeah, it's like... <laughs> so they're probably going to cast a really well-known actor. Like I wouldn't be surprised if they go full... Um, what's his name? The guy who played Charlie St. Cloud. Uh, the guy in um, Baywatch that's coming out. Zach Efron. Zach Efron, yeah. Somebody like him. You know, like somebody very well-known and uh, popular. Do they cast, the, they probably cast Cable? Yeah, they did. Josh Brolin. I'm in. He's a great actor. And when I saw the side-by-side, it's like, I could see it. Yeah. They're, they're going to make him look the part. Though, there was that one actor. I forget who it was. I forget his name, but like, uh, he played the commander in Avatar. Like the bad guy. Oh, I can see him doing like, it. I wanted him so bad. He was even, like, he photoshopped himself with a metal arm in the eye and he posted it on his social media. I'm like, oh, please, let it be him. He's perfect. 
But Josh Bowens did too. And I'm sure they picked the best man for the job. It'll be really interesting people going into that and they don't know who Cable is and they explain like, oh, he's well, Scott Summer's son from the future. What? <laughs> <laughs> and he actually got the techno virus from Apocalypse. You know, <laughs> what is going on here? Because he really has quite the uh, muddled backstory. <laughs> the last time I saw Cable, like in anything, was probably the X-Men animated series. Last time I saw him was in the Deadpool video game. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, he was in that. Because for some reason I bought that. <laughs> it I wasn't that bad. I, I watched the cutscenes online. You go for the jokes. Yeah. I just watched the cutscenes online. Because I knew it was just going to be a regular old beat-em-up. But, God, I miss Cable from X-Men anime series. Because the whole time he's like, I gotta kill you, Apocalypse! And he just, like, throws grenades all the time at everybody. <laughs> Your time to die, Apocalypse! Remember they had the whole thing. Maybe something about X-Men Evolution. Oh, yeah. Where they had um, Scott's brother. Alex Summers. Who does it from his hands. Havoc, yes. Very popular character. Though, in first class, he's a lot older for some reason. Yeah. Whatever. They're like, just like, screw continuity. They really make that... Huh. Yeah. Because Apocalypse is in the 80s, so Scott's like at least 18, 19, like maybe... No, Se- less than 16? that. Yeah. 16. But first class takes place in the 50s, doesn't it? Or like early 60s? Just about. So he's, his brother's like... His brother's like... Well into his 40s? <laughs> Bravo there, Fox. You nailed that timeline real good. <laughs> but whatever. It's its own thing. I don't think they even thought they were going to spin out of that. I don't think they knew what they had with X-Men First Class when they made it. Yeah, I'm sure they just thought to make it, and it's like, should we keep going? Sure, we'll do a different decade, and then we'll do another. And then we'll mix the decades. <laughs> and then we'll combine them and retcon our, all the other movies. so that they But not for Logan. <laughs> <laughs> well, because Logan's like a one-off. And I think Logan's in like an entirely different universe anyway. It's like, it's like a time-displaced Wolverine. Which... I gotta say, though, Logan is still my probably my favorite superhero movie right now. The only one part I saw for a plot hole, and it makes sense why it's a plot hole, how how would, once they crossed the Canadian border, have stopped the other company, to stop the company? You're not going into Canada, are you crazy? If they go into Canada, then a bunch of nice people will be there to stop them. Captain Canuck. Hey, hey there, you got your guns there, eh? You're not coming in here chasing those kids with those guns, no, sir. If you do, you'll be choking on a moose. You'll be choking on a moose. (laughs) 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 Violent. The other thing that happened... There's several other things that happened. Gurren Lagann turned 10. Oh, my gosh. I watched the whole series over again. I fell in love with it again. Like, every day to work, I've just been listening to the soundtrack. (laughs) It got me so into it again. I watched all the parallel works again. I watched oh, Logan. Oh, fight the power. And I like read statistics on like how big Super Tang on top of Grin Logon really is. Where uh, he's about half as big as the entire universe. I like they well. <laughs> and then when he does the Giga Drill in that form, that Giga Drill is ten times bigger than the universe. It literally escapes the universe. Well, because remember, they're in a pocket universe too. Yeah. 
when they fight. So it's like proportions can go out of control. <laughs> Especially the part where he's like taking galaxies and throwing galaxy shooty kit, <laughs> infinity, big bang, burn in the everlasting hellfire of creation. By the way, spoilers: Kamina died. Rest in peace. Shed manly tears. But when they brought Super Tang and Top of Grin Logan to life, where it's a giant blue astral form that's in the, in the shape of Kamina, the movie they changed it, right? Yeah, in the movie they made it. They made it Kamina. Yeah, he is the reincarnated form of Kamina. And that's only, like, his birth form. When it disperses, Kam- you know how they destroy the universe when they when the two drills combine? They destroy the universe in the pocket dimension. Because everything goes dark. I'm trying to remember. So, I'll, I'll remind you. Was oh, it the one where they're hitting? I don't know. When the two biggest forms collide with their drills, they destroy the universe. And then... Once um, the anti-spiral drill breaks through and then eventually it's just Gurren Lagann left, you know, all the other... Remember they keep hitting and it keeps getting smaller and smaller. And then when Super Tangatapa comes back and then disappears in the end, it's Kamina being reincarnated as the entire universe. He literally becomes the universe. I gotta see this. F yeah! (laughs) This show is the greatest. Okay, for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, Tengentapa Guren Lagan was an anime that came out in 2007. It is the greatest anime of all time. Come fight me in space, I dare you. It is amazing. <laughs> it is the best show of all time because of one character who inspires all the other characters and he only lasts for eight episodes. His name is Kamina. He's amazing because like through the whole thing, he's just this swashbuckling badass who is so crazy that he's actually a genius. Like, he creates the ultimate finishing technique, combines two robots together by slamming one into the head of the other one. Like, it's not supposed to work, but he's such a crazy madman that it actually works. And then, when he finally is sucker-punched and killed by Timulf, who's a general of the Beastmen army... He dies, but then he gets up, motivates his little brother to fight more, avenges his own death, then dies again, only to be reincarnated as a giant super mech and become the universe. I'm just saying, guys, I'm geeking out here. It's 10 years old today, and it's a masterpiece. It's a masterpiece. Glorious soundtrack. Every character is memorable, not just Kamina, even though he's the best. And, uh... The ultimate jailbait anime girl is in it. Yoko. She's only 14, guys. Don't get any ideas. Yoko's 14? Yes. Well, that's before the time skip, isn't it? Yes. But still, she doesn't change at all from the time skip. Like, imagine... Just go Google Yoko Littner. And you'll you'll see what 14 looks like. I'm this part you're talking about, Karen. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Because oh, I did, when it came out, I bought four episodes, even though they're all on Netflix now. This is before that. I bought four episodes on... I have the Blu-ray. Yeah. Or DVD. I'm not sure if it's Blu-ray, actually. They need to remaster it. Hell, they need to make a sequel, because they made those parallel works that are like ten different alternate universes, and there's one with like knights... 
where they're all knights instead, and they're so trying you're saying to saying after this part, right? Well, no, it's before that because uh, that's um, Logon only. I'm talking when Super Tang and Tapa disperses, when the blue blob disperses, the Kamina blob, the giant blue thing. I think that might only be in the movie. That is only in the movie. Oh, Th- that thing doesn't exist in the cartoon in the series because uh, it's just Tang and Tapa Grand Logan in the. Because uh... I'm looking at the 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 anime the TV. No, no, it's in Logan Hen only. The remaster. It just goes. It's so balls off the wall insane. It's very operatic too because it starts very grounded. Then it just gets more, get it more and more crazy and crazy and crazy and crazy. You don't know what's coming. It really like it takes a left turn and then another left turn. And then as if that's not enough, you get 26. The second, the second half just gets ridiculous. Well, the whole show's ridiculous. Guys, they take a galaxy with their giant robots and they throw it like a kunai shuriken. <laughs> Everything just keeps getting bigger. Yep. Because you have Logon that goes into... Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, wait. Don't paint yourself. Which one's the body one? Gurren. Gurren? Okay, so Logon's the head? Yes. You have Logon into Gurren, who will then go into the one that's a spaceship... Which will then go into a ship that used to formerly be the moon. Arc Gurren. Arc Gurren. Even Super Galaxy Gurren. Which then... I don't know the English names. I know Cho'Ginga and... Whatever. There's a mech on a mech inside a mech proportionally inside another mech where it's able to produce mechs of a smaller size than it that are themselves still the size of whole space spaceships. And then that whole thing becomes its own mech, which, which then becomes another mech that is as big as the galaxy, or as big as the universe. It's bigger. In the movie, it's bigger. <laughs> Hell yeah. And you don't question it when you watch it. Because pocket dimensions, that's yes. why! Over anti-probability missiles. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, sorry, Pumba. Sorry. You better be. <laughs> sorry, Pumba. You were under my foot and I accidentally conked you in the head. And I gotta say, I I have the an honor, like, f- with Gurren Lagan. Like, I, I can never contribute anything to that masterpiece, but I managed to in my own way because it's already done. It was done in 2007. I can't do anything about it. I was a little kid. But, I mean, I wasn't a little kid, but in my teens. But I voiced the Kamina's return scene between Simone and Kamina. And that video got so popular. It is the second video if you type in Kamina on YouTube. Really? Yeah. Kamina returns voiceover. I was so... I'll type in Kamina and see what happens. Yeah, just Kamina. That's it. It's the second one. Kamina. You're the third one. Oh. Wow, that's twenty four thousand views. Yeah, brother. Wait, who, who the hell? Who the hell put me in second? Who, who, who's this bitch in second place? Well, there's one. There's another one from ten thousand where it says Kamina punches Simon, and then Kamina death, and then yours. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I'll take third. You're even higher second. than than the one from Manga Entertainment, which produces it. <laughs> let's see. Let's see. View count. Who has the highest view count for Kamina? 
None of you guys. Who's who is it? It's a bunch of like Indian Bollywood stuff. Oh yeah, Ishak Kamina. I hate him. <laughs> he keeps coming up in my feed when I search for epic Kamina moments. It pisses me off. I'm sure you're a great musical talent, Ishak Kamina. But get out of YouTube. Get off my feed. Interesting. But yeah, I mean, I have that honor. So for what it's worth. We can feed in from Durin Logon into... Yeah, so eat your heart out, Star Wars. We're going to talk about you right now, but we just talked about the better space show. No, but we're, Movie. We're going to talk about another anime first. Oh, yes, the one you finally got to see, right? On, in yes, theaters? I saw the English dub of it, because Fandango is very confusing, which I don't care. I like the English dub just though. And it has, Com it has Kyle Herbert in it, so hearing Kamina voice the whole time. That's not Kamina's voice. <laughs> He's Gohan. I accept that. He, he is a great Gohan, but he's not my Kamina. So we saw, I saw... Like, if you read in my description on my video, it even says, like, there's only one acceptable voice for Kamina. That's the Japanese voice. This is just a stand-in because I can't speak Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> like, because I, I do like a baritone where I'm like, get going, Simo, and don't get distracted by what ifs, should haves, and if onlys. So I, I give it like a little bit of like a good baritone, but like to me, Kamina is like, like he's like crazy. <laughs> like you can't do that in English. Like it's impossible to translate that to English. Like get going, Shimon. <laughs> like it's just it sounds weird in English, but in Japanese you totally buy it. So I'm like, damn it, I can't do it. <laughs> so we saw your name. Yes. Which is like the... Opposite one, of this. Which is like one of the number one animated movies, anime, anime movies ever made, critically. Yes. It got nominated for an Oscar. I and think. it should have won. Except Zootopia. Fuck Zootopia. I, I love Zootopia, but... Kubo? Ah, oh, God, that's hard to... They too. put it on Netflix. Kubo is like an achievement in animation. Like, it was a beautiful... Like, they deserve so much more credit, the Studio Leica, for everything that they do. But, I mean, Pixar and Disney always steal the thunder and it annoys me. It's because the Academy Awards don't take animation seriously. Yeah. They really only pick whatever was popular that year or whatever their kids saw. A lot of them don't even watch the movies. Like, in my opinion, this ongoing season of Samurai Jack deserves to be recognized did you see the difference they did for the uh they pointed out that aku does look different they changed his animation yeah a little bit so because normally they say his teeth his mouth has a red outline and they removed that and the other thing they removed was apparently i didn't even notice it is that aku's eyes in the new one are fully flaming in red in the original he had black eyelids Oh. So, like, how it would look now would be, like, if you had a ball, if he was doing, like, half-eye, his eyelid and the flame would all be one. How it used to be, it would be, like, a black half-circle and then the flame around it. Oh. I didn't notice. And wow. you were right, Karen, until I was watching the trailer for the new episode, and... They spend like a few more frames. It's like, oh, that is the Scotsman. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so excited. I can't wait for tomorrow. Oh, that'll be great. That'll be a great little Easter treat. Or Passover treat. 
Or whatever you do. Or whatever you celebrate, yeah. <laughs> so back to your name. Yes. I saw this movie well over... About a year. About a year ago, yeah. It was, it was like in October. I saw it right when it came out in Japan. It was like October. Yeah. It was really, really good. And I'm not just saying that. It, it moves you. Yeah. It's... One of the best romance stories of the decade, for sure. Because they do the body swap, but then they change it. Yeah, like, the body swap really is, like, the backdrop plot of the movie. What's weird is with that, they make it seem like it's happened before. Yeah. Because, like, her grandmother has done it. Her mother had done it before. She's like, oh, you're dreaming. So it's like... She knows that it's not her granddaughter in that body. Yeah, there's so much implication to, um, like, so it's so subtle. Like whenever, in those whenever he wakes up in her body. Oh yeah, that was. <laughs> He's always groping himself. <laughs> the little sister's like, "Why are you doing that every morning? <laughs> You're weird." I know. The best way to experience this movie, though, is like going in completely dark about it. Yes. Not knowing anything. You just know it's an animated movie and go into it that way. That would I that I could see could have the biggest impact on people. Because you're expecting like something Disney-ish, like it's not very heavy. Oh, they swap it's, bodies. Ho, ho, ho. Yeah. They, it's not Freaky Friday, folks. It's not Freaky Friday. Like the last half. Like, like, like the last quarter of the movie gets really depressing and really dark and then it's really moment. hopeful. Oh, yeah. I mean, that moment where... I'm going to say this out of context, so nobody will get it. Where he says, have we met before? I was like, oh, my God. What is, what is your name? Oh, man, there. <laughs> the movie, though, is really... Really good. The one, the one thing is they do foreshadow the comet stuff because when you look at how that city is built and it lo- it's obviously around a crater, mm-hmm. but then whenever they do the panoramic shots from above, you see where that shrine is is also a crater. If you look in the distance, there's other craters. That have been grown in. Why do you sound so mad? Because <laughs> I wanted them to find love. But the, whole, the, the, the whole thing, like, you don't believe them. It's like every 1,200 years. But then, like, you look and it's like, there's multiple crater impacts in this area. <laughs> Meteorologist Nolan Duino enraged over false accusations of 1,200 meteor spaces. I messed that up. Royally. <laughs> I was trying to make a joke that just fell through. Anyway, go see your name. It's better than all that other crap you Dude, watch. The part, the part when he's like, when he trips. And it's great crap. But... In the cave where he trips and he like is doing the body switch at that moment. It's so trippy. Yeah. But they have like all the different animation style. It's so well done. Because it's all, it's all hand drawn, the whole movie. Mm-hmm. They deserve every penny they get out of I like of. all the musical sequences they did, too. Oh, yeah. Gorgeous Like, music. in the beginning. Like, like, when they show the city. When they show the city and everything. 
I really hope the success of this movie pushes Japan to send more of those animated movies here. Well, the big ones they tend to. Well, yeah, but like they're very limited releases a lot of the time, like only one weekend. Like this one, thankfully, is going for more. Yeah, but like, a lot of the time it's only like one it's, night. It's dwindling down after a week. There's one showing left. There's only one showing today at our theater. They need to eliminate the stigma animation has where it's just for kids. It hasn't been just for kids for at least a decade. Show them. What's the one with Alucard? Um, that's coming out? No. The... Helsing. Yeah, show them Helsing. Yeah, let's see if that's for kids. <laughs> no, just put Helsing. I would pay so much money just have Helsing Ultimate put into a theater and just have like an old grandpa walk through while uh, the Nazi general was like doing the symphony thing with like all the bombs falling. <laughs> that is such a ridiculously awesome show. And I could do Alucard's voice, so. <laughs> if Crispin Freeman's bored, I'll voice it again. So, you would recommend to everyone to go see Your Name. Definitely. 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's a masterpiece. Just like Gurren Lagann. Metacritic's not so much into it. That's because I think Metacritic takes everyone who says something. <laughs> I just thought of something. I remember an old joke where uh, there's a rule with Kamina where if you inject him into any anime, to any protagonist, it makes it instantly more awesome. <laughs> Because remember the part where he, like, gives up hope when he finds out that the meteor crashed? Uh-huh. And he's, like, looking for it and, like, he gets all depressed? I just want to come in there, like, you know, I'm um, saying, uh, hey, what was his name? Takashi. Takashi. Let's see it. Grip those teeth! Put you down. In the library when he's depressed. Have you snapped out of it yet? <laughs> We're going to find your girlfriend because that's the me that I believe in. <laughs> believe in the me that believes in you that believes in her. Dude, the whole thing of it being in the past. That, that's, that's, that's one plot hole. Is Not necessarily. Well, how long are they switching bodies for? Like a couple weeks, right? I yeah, One or two weeks. How come none of them never looked at the year? Because they didn't have a calendar in the room. They had smartphones and they were using the smartphones and the smartphones had the dates for the calendar when they were leaving notes for each other. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he went to school. You think they would have, you would have seen that the year was wrong. Hmm. <laughs> that is uh, quite the big plot hole. Yeah, I guess he was just thinking like, oh, these guys are funny. They're talking, they're talking to me as if it's like years ago. Good one, guys. Good one. <laughs> he just goes to work and he's like, they, you know, sign the checks are signed with like the date too. Like, oh wow, my my work's playing he's a joke on me too. I, I think maybe the supernatural thing did it on purpose, so maybe they didn't recognize it. Because remember when he goes on the date with the one lady and they go to a art gallery. Then there's a whole exhibit about the town. Yeah. And he it doesn't mean anything to him except that he recognizes one of the photos as a location. And then he draws it from memory and photos online. <laughs> it's like, you've seen the photo before. <laughs> I think it's more of a... Um, 
like clues for the audience not for the character necessarily but yeah that is a huge plot hole now that I think about it they have smartphones oh boy <laughs> go see it it's still great yes you can find plot holes in any movie speaking of great things what got yeah. my Captain he, Rex Captain Rex uh, we'll get to that with Star Wars but first I want to talk about the trailer that made me like go yes take my money that was Thor Ragnarok. Oh, that one, yes. Because I, I'll, I'll be honest, I have no like affinity to the Thor character. Yeah, like, the very first Thor movie was okay. I don't really go out of my way to rewatch it because the first one was kind of boring. It the was second funny. one was better, and I, I would go as far to say the second one was worse. I like the second one better because, but it's very Star Warsy. I'd say it's Game of Thronesy. Well, like I say, all the Dark Elf stuff is very Star Warsy, and also it came out like the same time as Halo, so they kind of remind me of the Didact being able to like, you can see like they're force choking people. That one, like the main one. Uh huh. Which like it's better than the first one. The first one was just boring, and you see more of Asgard, and you kind of get more of a sense of the sci-fi elements. Well, that's interesting because I like the first one more. Because they let Chris Hemsworth be what he's str- what his strength is, which is funny. They had more jokes in the first one, and Chris Hemsworth is a funny actor. He has the looks of a leading man, but he's actually a comedic actor. He's not very like, like his best cabin. performances aren't the ones where he's like super like serious. Cabin in the woods. Yeah, he was <laughs> funny in that. But then this one, the trailer for it, the new one. Oh. <gasps> yeah! I was, like, I was rubbing my I know him from work! We know each other from work! <laughs> he, he was funny the whole way through. Like, I mean, okay, this is how you do an amazing trailer for a superhero movie. You start, you introduce the villain right away. And everybody's like, oh, Marvel villains suck and stuff like that. Like, that's where DC has the edge on them. Like, with Marvel villains are weak and they never pan out on anything. I think Hela's gonna be the one to break that trend. And here's why. Thor, I mean, the, the Hammer Mjolnir has been a main staple of this Marvel Universe where, like, they had, like, the all the Avengers try to pick it up and then Vision picks it up. Like, Mjolnir is a very prolific thing in the Marvel Universe. It's the best weapon so far that we've seen besides <laughs> the Infinity Gauntlet. So Thor takes that hammer, Rose. chucks it at Hela, who's played by Kate Blanchett? Uh-huh. Yes, Kate Blanchett. Who, by the way, I've never been attracted to Kate Blanchett before, but now I'm like, oh yeah, Kate Blanchett, baby, you know. <laughs> and she just grabs the hammer with one hand, not only lifting it, but crushing it in her hands into little space dust. Do you think I'll ever get a hammer back? I have a theory about that. Do you think that there's a that there's a more pure Mjolnir? No. I'll tell you what I think is going to happen. Is it gonna, do you think it's going to be based off of kind of like the comics you're doing? Not quite. Okay. Because... I'll stop talking so you can talk. Thank you. I do like the helmet, though. Helmet's sick. I love the like, helmet. Pe- apparently people have been complaining that Thor never had his helmet. He has it now. Who cares? <laughs> Enjoy. And they bring in Planet Hulk. Yeah, this is sort of a mix of Ragnarok and Planet Hulk stories. So, as I said, Hela crushes the hammer 
and you're like, oh crap, 10 seconds in. Then you get to Hela invading Asgard. There's all these guards and all these warriors from Asgard there. And then she just says, like, as if she's so angry that she's been sealed away by these people. Like, you feel it in her delivery of this line. She goes, Asgard is dead. And she just nukes the whole freaking Asgard. You see the flames just burst out of it. Then you see Thor get thrown into a trash in a very Star Wars-y kind of way where he's, like, on a trash planet. And you see all these weird, like, alien kind of things. So they make very it... kind of Guardians. Yeah. I'd say it's... Like, vibe-wise, it's a little different from Guardians, but, like, the setting is, like, now yeah, in that that's, spacey... Yeah, I think that's what they... That's one thing I saw. Trashy. Said, like, they're glad that they're more connecting Asgard to the wider universe because it's another planet in space. Yeah. And I like that. I like that trashy, space junky kind of atmosphere in Guardians. Because like, everything seems like kind of dirty in space. Like all the ships look kind of run down and messy. Like it's very Star Warsy in that sense. Not everything's all like shiny and new like in Battlestar Galactica or Star Trek. Star Trek, yeah. <laughs> so he's then taken to the Gladiatory Games where Jeff Goldblum is the master, the grandmaster, and God, he's just perfect. <laughs> perfect casting. It's just Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum being Jeff Goldblum. Like, I'm in. I like when they have him and Loki on the couch, and the couch is super long. Yeah. <laughs> They're on opposite sides of it. <laughs> I get the feeling this is going to be a really funny movie. And, of course, a scene that everybody's talking about, Incredible Hulk. Showing up in the Coliseum. Take my money. Apparently that's all from, like, towards the beginning of the movie, too. What, the Gladiatory Games? Yeah. Wow. Apparently, a lot of trailers now, at least for Marvel, they're showing stuff that's only in, at least some of them, that's in like the first third of a movie. That makes sense. Unlike Sony and uh, Warner Brothers, who show Doomsday and uh, pretty much the entire plot of Spider-Man Homecoming in a trailer. I think that's Marvel, though, doing Homecoming. No, Sony cut the trailer. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't have to know that Tony Stark takes the the suit away. Suit away, yeah. I, I didn't like. You could have taken. You could have left that out and like have it happen in the movie. That way, he has to go back to his old suit. Yeah. I mean, they, they showed like pretty much the whole movie, and like you know, he's gonna stop Vulture, and then he's gonna get the suit back, and like I am Spider Man. He swings in the screen credits. And then the after credit scene will show Iron Spider being built. <laughs> I don't think it'll be Iron Spider. If I had to guess. I mean, since Tom Holland has nothing to do with the Venom movie, apparently. I would have guessed Venom, but apparently they're doing a Venom movie without Spider-Man, which is like, okay. That's huh. stupid. Well, uh, now they're going to find the symbiote. Because the whole thing, the symbiote canonically comes to Earth because of a... Rocket crashes, right? Meteor. Meteor. Or sometimes it's a spaceship, sometimes it's a meteor. Because I, I thought sometimes it's a astronaut crashes his shuttle into a bridge, like landing, and then the symbiote's on it. Yeah, it was like a sample from a planet. Yeah. I don't know. They, they'll do whatever they want with Venom, but honestly, Venom has never been that interesting of a character. I, I mean, Venom. <laughs> even still, like... <laughs> 
they like the Eddie Brock version has only been a good foil to Spider Man. Like he, he's never been interesting on his own. Except my the exception is the Flash Thompson Venom. That's my favorite. Isn't there a thing now where like Venom, like they find the planet of symbiotes and like the symbiote he's been using is corrupted and they uncorrupt it, so then it becomes super powerful. I don't know. I think I, I, I saw following Marvel. I think I saw that because like that this like Venom goes into space. I follow DC very heavily, but Marvel stuff I just focus on like the fringe stuff like Ghost Rider, Moon Knight, Old Man Logan. Bloodstone. Like anything that doesn't get sucked into the tie-ins and stuff like that or events, I follow because Marvel books are expensive. More so than DC even right now. Like there was like a Spider-Man issue for like nine ninety nine. It was oversized, but still I'm like Ten dollars for a comic book? Crazy. You crazy. I say a comic shouldn't go more than like four bucks. Yeah. I mean my limit you only, is you only like, get like sixteen pages too. Well twenty one, twenty two sometimes, but sometimes it go oversized, but still. It's I mean, it's supposed to be like a novelty thing where you like you buy a bunch. You don't just buy one comic usually when you're going to the store so you're just dropping a ton of money for yeah it's not a cheap hobby anymore you're not paying 25 cents for a book anymore like in the old days yeah but it's worth it i mean you see my stack of comics there on my shelf i mean i love it harrow county harrow county yes it's a new indie series that i got three volumes for i'm gonna get read it i wanted a new horror thing to Satisfied my horror fix since Nailbite ended. Or Nailbiter. So, giving that a shot. So, let's talk about the, uh, the big Bantha in the room. That happened today. Yeah. Just in time for the podcast return. Because there was the, apparently this weekend, this week is Star Wars Expo. Fan Expo in... Or Star Wars Celebration. Star Wars Celebration on Orlando. And the first thing they showed off was... They showed off the, the YouTube series they're doing. Yes, the all-female... Just like three-minute shorts. Mm-hmm. But then the other thing they showed off at their animation panel was they jokingly showed off like character art for the next season. And it shows Rex, but he looks like a normal rebel soldier like that you see on like Endor and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And so people are, people are making comparisons. It's like, wait a minute... And there is a character the fans named called Nick Saint in Return of the Jedi because he has a beard that's white as making like Saint Nicholas. And they think like, maybe, wait, this looks like Rex. And then, and then when you have them side by side, Rex's beard and that guy's match up and they look similar. And it's like, holy crap, did they just... Old, they just retconned old Star Wars with new Star Wars to keep new characters in it. That would be pretty amazing. I really hope that that's true because I love Rex. I know he and and it would actually be a really cool arc of having someone there at the start with the Republic that then became the Empire and then overthrew the Empire. Someone who was there from the beginning. 
uh, he's probably the only one since by that time Yoda and Obi-Wan are dead. Besides Anakin. And he's like one of the top soldiers in the Rebel Alliance. But how far after does this movie take? Because he's, he's kind of old. But he's not like too old. People are complaining that they think he would be too old to be like special forces. No. You never get his age anyway. Well, they think genetically when they're younger, they make them age twice as fast so that they could get an army in 10 years. So he's probably 30. Yeah. Because like the whole, no, he'd be, he'd probably be like maybe 60 genetically, like his body's 60, but he's like fighting for years. So he's like super fit. Let's look. Okay, Clone Wars starts in 22 BY. So that's before Battle of Yavin. Clone Wars begins. Yeah, okay, Clone Wars begins in 22 BY. So he'd be 20. So then 40. Let's see. I, we don't care how old he is. We want to see how old the difference between Yavin, Battle of Yavin, and Return of the Jedi are. Okay, here we go. The Battle of... Oh, okay. This isn't as easy. Okay, it is uh, four. So it's four years after the Battle of Yavin. Okay. I could see him being alive, what, six more, five more years after... I think it's either five or six after Rebels. Yeah, And why him not? looking the same. I mean, we know Hera's alive. Have we got Hera, him... Chopper. Uh, Chopper, and... That's it so far. Yeah. We don't know if Sabine lives. She'll, I don't see why they'll kill her off. Unless uh, Ezra goes dark side and stabs her in the gut. <laughs> Let's see. I wonder what happens to those two. Oh, look, and they actually have... Um, so Rebels, the last season where they fight Vader, takes place 3 BBY. So this last season was in 2 BBY. So it's two years removed. So it is six. About six more years. I can totally see him living six more years to be in Return of the Jedi. Eat your heart out, Ragers. All right, so let's talk about the trailer updating this as the... uh, They've updated this as the movies came out, or as the Rebels. Because there's a bunch of stuff in here of like, Mon Mothma forms the Alliance to restore the Republic above Dantooine. And then the Battle of Adalon takes place. Thrawn attacks Chopper Base and forces Rebels to retreat to Yavin 4. And then from Yavin, they're there for a while until they abandon it after the Death Star. Great. Let's talk about after all that stuff in The Last Jedi trailer. People didn't recognize his voice, but Mark Hamill is the one who does all the voiceover in that commercial. Except for, like, the, the echo stuff they have from, like, past stuff. Yeah. That you can kind of But get. I mean, like, the breathe thing. Yeah. Breathe. Just breathe. You can tell, like, his voiceover experience really kicks it into high gear. Because he gave me tingles. I was tingling just listening to him going, breathe. Just breathe. I really want to see the story for this one. I wonder what's going to happen. I'm really interested. Because they can go a lot of different ways with it. 
Because I think you think it's Ray going to train with him, and he will train her, but that he's not doing it as a Jedi. Because they kind of show that like Phasma and them burned down whatever temple he had made. Yeah. And so I think after that, he's just like, anywhere you put Jedi are going to get targeted, or they may they may have him change his mind that maybe he while he thinks. Jedi need to go away just because they're a lightning rod that maybe there needs to be Jedi in the universe. Or he might even be going, like, I want to train you to be a great Jedi. Yeah. Like, maybe Qui-Gon Jinn's way was the right way or something like that. What was Qui-Gon Jinn's way? He was a great Jedi. He was neither a Jedi nor a Sith. He was, you know, bound. Like forced. Yeah. Huh, I can see that. Because there, there has been a lot more. They've been teasing it throughout all of like Rebels and Clone Wars of having people who are Force users who aren't necessarily Sith or Jedi. Like Kanan. He's kind of... He's, Kanan's still a Jedi. But Ezra's kind of... Even though he's training to be a Jedi, he's kind of... I think I still see him going one way or the other, but... But like Ahsoka was... Ahsoka was a white Jedi. Or a gray Jedi. Yeah. Like, she left the Order. And she practices both light and dark side techniques. I guess. That's what it means. Like, you're, all the access... I really should read Thrawn. That book came out? I'm gonna get the audiobook, I think. Apparently, with Thrawn, is it deals with a lot of stuff of, like, building up to his se- this season in Rebels. So, like, there's a lot of light characters. But then... <laughs> the one thing that is some people are worried about so a lot of the EU stuff they've kept like they even say the first chapter in that book is essentially the same as when they first introduced Thrawn like the battle in the mist or whatever mm-hmm. like the first story of Thrawn that he gets introduced it's essentially the same except the ships type the ship types are different because it's early on now instead of after. But, like, he's still... He was exiled from the Chris, which is, like, his species, which are in the unknown regions, which are outside known the space. Outer rim. Yeah, it's out, out, outside the Outer Rim. And they know he's essentially, like, a double agent because he's rising through the Empire to learn all about them to send information back. Because apparently he's been around since the Clone Wars. Hmm. Like, he was there. He 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 was at a battle with, like, Anakin Skywalker. Huh. So, like, he, he, he likes... He thinks the Empire is a lot more control of how they use resources over the Republic because he thinks democracy is too... They're too... Uh, they fight too much. But then he will... What is it? They fight too much, but he thinks the Empire is also... They, they do things stupidly. But then, apparently, they still allude to... There is a larger, more dangerous outside force outside their known universe. The Yusan Vong! A lot of people are like, please don't let that happen still. Because people didn't like the Yusan Vong. They were cool. They were cool. Because they're like, they're all written as like... Supposed to be their, like, the Middle Eastern equivalent is how they were written. Pretty much. 
They were anti-force users. They were (laughs) anti-spirals. But, like, they're still... There's a larger force outside their known galaxy. We'll see what that is. I think they still... I think Star Wars still kept the Lost Ones, which are, like... They sent a ship of Jedi to the edge of the known galaxy to use the Force to, like, see what's further out, and, like, they all died. Oh, gosh. There's, like, weird stuff like that. I'm lo- all I'm looking forward to is the here and now with The Last Jedi. Have you seen the uh, poster? Yeah, with the... It looks like the original one. But if you notice, Ray's holding, like, the light, like the lightsaber, and it turns that giant light splitting the screen apart to Kylo Ren and uh, Luke's face. Uh-huh. But if you notice, it starts from going blue to the tip going red. I wonder if one of the characters is going to be tempted to go dark side in this movie? Do you think we get dark Luke? I think it might even be dark Ray. Or do you think we'll get dark Luke? Have you seen that? <laughs> yes. That's... <laughs> For people who don't know, Luke, with two U's, is an evil Luke Skywalker clone made from his hand that was cut off. By Palpatine. By, no, the one that was cut off by Vader. Well, yeah, it was cut off by Vader, but Palpatine made the clone. Made a clone. (laughs) Apparently, in the books, like, um, what is his name? Palpatine, like, knows something about... What is it? Outside galaxy evil force? I, I've always hated that. Because they try to make it him seem more sympathetic where they're like, oh, he took over because he wanted to get us ready for that threat. I'm like, that's bullshit. I, I feel like if there's been other stuff like that before. Like, they've done that in Dune. They did that in... Uh, did an anime do that? I don't remember. Grim Lagan. Grim Lagan. But, but, but another one, another anime did something like that. Or a cartoon. Mm. Oh, no, I'm thinking of Spinward Fringe, the one I'm reading now. <laughs> they, they did something like that, no, too. But Palpatine was just an evil bastard. Actually, no, I, I might be confusing stuff. Like, there's stuff... I think they think Palpatine knows about, like... They think Snoke is from outside the universe. And so, I think he wanted to get that power. That's why he was, like, investigating um, Jakku. Because apparently there's stuff on Jakku that, like, is secret that we don't know about yet. Hmm. That he has, like, a whole mind. That's why, like, Jakku was really important when they fought there. Makes he... sense. Hopefully. Hopefully. It'll be, well, I'm sure when this movie comes out, they'll explain a lot more stuff. Like where Snoke came from. <laughs> or who he is. It's Ezra Bridger. Oh. That, that's stupid. That's that's the stupidest theory. No, the theory was that Benicio Del Toro's character would be Ezra. Whoever that is. Because there's supposedly another dark side user. Along with Kylo Ren in this movie. Inquisitor. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Small comes back again. He's like... <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I like how they played Maul out his death. I love that so much. Because it wasn't super fight. It was, you can tell, like, he hasn't really changed, but Kenobi has changed. And that's why he Kenobi has gotten more 
balanced with himself. He's not as arrogant or as brash as he used to be, being on Tatooine guarding Luke. And then they even show Darth Maul, when he fights him, tries to do the exact same move he did on Qui-Gon, where he pumps him with the, the center of his lightsaber and then cuts. And when he does that, Obi-Wan knows what's going to happen. Or, like, he, he is composed. Because he doesn't really strike at all. He just, like, breaks it in half. No, he strikes. Well, I mean, but he doesn't... Like, he slices him right no, through his chest. No, but all his moves are... Defensive moves. Well, not necessarily defensive, but there's no wasted... It's more well, swords... No, he does the defensive stuff. I know, but it's more swordsmanship than, like, other Star Wars stuff. He literally, like, blocks, 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 cuts when the opening is there. Yeah, which I really appreciated, and it was very... And, like, and, they, they, and they ex- that, that kind of shows why lightsaber battles changed from, like, the prequels to that first one where he's very calculated when he does it. Because it becomes more kind of like Kendo. But like he slices in half. He slices Maul and beats him. But then it's not like Maul's not angry. He's kind of like... You can tell he's kind of glad that it's done. He's at peace. That there's something out there that will in the long run avenge him. No, not him. Us. Us. Which is... You know who he's referring to, right? His brother. Savage Opress. But that like... Great callback. Because... Palpatine, after he died the first time, is essentially like not cared about Maul. That Maul's existence as being Sith was kind of no point. Yeah. That he he's done with Jedi versus Sith. And that there's someone out there who will bring balance to the Force. So that they don't have to essentially like the word essentially suffer having to fight each other all the time it was really well done people who say like oh it was a, such a stupid fight and stuff like that there's, 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 after I was a little underwhelmed the first time I saw it but when I saw the breakdowns it makes a lot more sense I loved it the that he, first that moment it, I saw that it at the moment when he is an Obi-Wan is Obi-Wan like he beats him, but he also comforts him as he's dying. And he he dies having hope that not all is for nothing anymore. Because he went there to kill Obi-Wan, but when he figured out Obi-Wan was there for a reason. I mean, yes, it's brilliant from a character perspective, but just from a visual perspective, it was genius. Because you saw Obi-Wan close Maul's eyes after he died. And if you look into his eyes, they look like two sons. That's the twin sons that the thing was referring to, the title of the episode was referring to, not the actual twin sons that orbit Tantooine. It's like a double meaning. Well, it's because it's him and his brother. That too. Multiple meanings. Oh, so good. <laughs> so good! Yeah, it was. This season has been really well done. And they've made Thrawn a competent villain. <laughs> Let's hope that uh, more 
Star Wars goodness comes after this. At least we know. At least, at least we know the next season. It won't be them freaking out about like trying to find a base or anything. Because they're at Yavin Four, which a lot of the Rebel fleet goes to, and we know a lot of the Rebel fleet is at Yavin Four because it's their current base. And it won't be like there may be some stuff of like not getting found out. For all we know, they could they could next season have characters from Star Wars Rogue One, other characters in it. Diego Luna's character is a rebel spy. He's a rebel person the whole time. He's been with them. Honestly, I don't care if I ever see those characters again. They were kind of boring. They were all kind of shit. What about K9? Or not K9. He was awesome. K2SO. K2SO. I, I told you how I feel about him. He's awesome. But all the other ones are... Eh. Well, like, they won't have... They won't have Jin in it. We saw they already brought back Saw. Because they had his whole thing about... Save the Republic! Save the Treaty! They had, they had his whole thing about, like, getting pissed off at the Genotians. About them doing genocide on the Genotians because they were done building their portion of the Death Star. I still... I really think they'll bring in Rebels. They'll have Diego Luna's character and K2SO. Because they can fit in perfectly. I don't know if at least K two S O. And seeing him with Chopper, and the uh, other droid, the Squidward droid. Yes, I love. He's he's just he's he's kind of an asshole, but he's like the asshole who's always right. I was the one who got the plans all by myself. You were useless, Chopper. Use. I love I love how they turn the dynamic of R two D two and C three PO into them. Yeah, because like R two D two is kind of an asshole and Chopper's an asshole, and then the protocol droids really won't take shit from them. Yeah, <laughs> but he gives it he gives it back to him. Unlike C three PO. Yeah. <laughs> well, this was a pretty good return to form for us at the Deep Space Listening Detail. Feels about time we wrap it up. Uh, follow us at DSLD Pod. Listen to us on iTunes and SoundCloud. I hope you guys. Uh, we hope that we'll be back in less than a month this time. There's so much stuff to do, you wouldn't believe it. I mean, every weekend there was something like either one of us was sick or I had to travel or. Involving getting over being sick. Yeah. It's great when coworkers come to work with like the worst disease known to man. It's like, here you go, have some. But whatever. Anyway. Yeah, have some, Pam. Get sick. And then give it to everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> like everyone got sick. Like even like just my friends and I didn't see them. They all got sick within like the same week. There was like something going around that everyone was getting sick with. There was a bug. Poor Nick. Anyway, that'll do it for this week. Um, until next time, cadets, see you starside. Bye-bye. Goodbye.